Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of People's Stories. I'm your host Priyanka Ota. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you have fun listening to the session as well as probably get to know something more about this particular profession. So, yet again, thank you so much for joining. Stay tuned and have fun. A very very warm welcome to everybody who is listening to this episode. My name is Priyanka. I'm going to host this particular session and today I have Yusuf in the in the studio with us. Yusuf, thank you so much for joining us. You actually pronounced my name very <laughs> very well. I'm impressed. Yeah, because I did a practice before <laughs> before starting the session. All right. So All right. <laughs> Perfect. So, thank you so much for your time once again. I'm super excited to have you. because of many reasons i think but the biggest reason is because of the profession that you are coming from and i think this is something which i have not really spoken to i've not really spoken to anybody from this particular area so mm-hmm. i think would be very interesting to know your background you know how does your work like life look like but before we get into your professional details let's talk about you in general so Can you introduce yourself and and talk a little about you know where you are coming from? What's your background like? All right. So, um, born and raised in Morocco. So I'm hundred percent Moroccan at heart. <laughs> Very proud of 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 my nationality, but also my my religion and I see myself as an Arab as well. So that's my my identity, I would say. Mm-hmm. And. and i was made in germany so <laughs> when i was 17 i moved to germany i experienced adult life here and uh, yeah that's that's where i'm from and where i was made i would say yeah i'm still not fully made yet but at least i've i've got to to a point where yeah i'm proud of the the career that i've started and i've i've got to a kind of a specialism in technical recruitment where i can yeah speak with confidence about mm-hmm. it what made uh, you come to germany like was it education or family so so basically i have i have a scientific background so when i when i was in high school and anyone moroccan or probably in other co- countries would relate if you study well you are encouraged to do science and encouraged to do engineering mm. so that's what i did when i was you know 14 15 i had to choose which branch i would go into mm. so i did i did the the most scientific one the har- the hardest one which is maths <laughs> so that was my my initial background all my friends ended up in engineering mm. and i decided to to do something completely different So I was looking for business studies and at that time actually even now Moroccans are very much encouraged to do something called prepa which mm-hmm. is like two years where you basically have no life you only study so that you can prepare <laughs> for the big schools like the les grandes écoles to get into the best kind of schools to do engineering okay. and there was also the option of doing you know things like finance and uh, being in management consulting things like this so i was completely against that idea i thought if i just spent 12 years at school i i, I would like to experience a nicer life a university life So I I was looking at options and I stumbled upon Germany as an as an mm. option at that mm. time it there was not a lot of information so 
there was a lot of, you know, looking for the right people that have been there and come back. There were very few agencies that helped students understand what's possible in Germany, things like this. I studied German after school, so I was doing that for two years. Mm. So I got my diploma, the B2. Okay. And yeah, when I when I was approaching the last year of my high school, I had to make a decision. And for me, it was pretty clear. I had to go to Germany and try my luck there. And I wanted to do business. So mm. something a bit different. At that time, I wanted to do finance, but I had absolutely no idea what that <laughs> meant. I just heard that finance was a good, something good that, that you could do with business studies. And, yeah. and that's it. Okay, so so after you came to Germany, were you did you do engineering or did you do business? No. So, would you like me to tell the whole Germany story? <laughs> <laughs> no, just basically like where did, what did you do your bachelor's in? And so my then... bachelor's was in international business. Okay. Um, so I I did not do engineering at all. But okay. Once we get into my professional life, I can explain a bit. Yeah. How that scientific background helped me yeah okay sounds good just one thing that i'm getting a little curious about so i know how it looks like for the engineering side because yeah. in terms of the fee structure in terms of how you get there but in terms of business area in germany how does it look like like from a academic perspective as well as from the fee structure uh, perspective I mean, when I when I came to Germany, it was 2013. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure things have changed a lot since then. Immigration is m much more encouraged now. Mm. But at that time, I mean, you had you had to speak German. Most of the bachelors were in German. Mm -hmm. So, and because I came from Morocco, our system has 12 years of schooling, and Germany has 13. So I had to do one year of equivalence. It's called the Studienkolleg. Okay. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I was trying to get into that, but destiny happened and I ended up doing a, a private school in Munich mm -hmm. and I studied in in English. So the equivalent of it in the public school is it's called Betriebswirtschaftslehre. Mm -hmm. It's kind of management, economics, things like that. Hmm. I mean, it depends on the federal state, I would say, like the, the fees. But I don't think it's very much different from engineering in terms mm -hmm. of like how much it costs and stuff like okay. that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, from from the knowledge that I have about the technical space, like the engineering space, I think it's more or less free of cost yeah. because the state kind of pays for education. I think that's what kind of attracts a lot of yeah. people from outside it, it Germany. Is, it is the same. Yeah, it is the same in, in, in business. I, I think... It's just more the master's degrees. Some of them are in private schools, mm. then they are more expensive than others. But okay, it's the same, like free of charge. I mean, they say that it's it costs something, but then it's like <laughs> so little that yeah. it's just, it feels yeah. like it's free. That's nice. I mean, while you were telling about your story about, you know, how science is like the preferred space in, in Morocco as well, I, I think that's pretty similar in India. Like we also have the same thing. So when you are like good at studies, you would typically take like engineering or medicine, you know, get into doctor, the doctor yeah. space or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And this is something <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to fight against. And I kind of rebelled against it when I was when I was in high school. Yeah. I, I ended up doing something really good in, yeah. in Germany because Germany doesn't have the kind of this this mindset. It's that we that we got from from France, where 
it's very important which university you get to. Mm. In Germany, it's not really important what university you went to. It's important, like, what kind of professional experience you, you, you gained, mm. how you think, what kind of value you can bring. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's a very different mindset. And yeah, in my podcast and in, in my life, anyone I, I speak to, I always try to encourage them to not really look at, like, where you studied. Focus on mm. building yourself, building your skills rather yeah. than looking for the best paper at the end of the day. Totally agree. I mean, and I think this is like something which is so in integrated into our thought process, you know, exactly. coming from yeah. India or also, as you're saying, from yeah. Morocco, that you kind of associate yourself to the brands that you are associated with and try to find your self-worth through that. But Germany doesn't look at it. I mean, I totally agree with you on that side. Very interesting. Okay, so now let's get into your professional life. So you are working as a technical recruiter right now. So how does your typical work day look like? What do you experience on a day-to-day -day basis? So let me first explain like what what the goal of my role is, and then I'll, I'll tell you what my day-to-day -day looks like. So what I'm hired to do is basically to bring the right people to the organization based on the, their current needs. Hmm. So what I do is partner with hiring managers that are looking for new people for their for their team based on the current projects that they have. And I so they are my customers, my first customers. Then I have to go out to the market, find the right candidates, mm -hmm. um, and then put them through the interview process, make sure that the quality is there. And then accompany them through that interview process and make sure that then at the end of the day, we are hiring the best people. So mm -hmm. that's my role. And I'm doing it. The, the The technical part in that is that I focus on technical roles. So I hire mostly engineers. So that includes developers, so backend, frontend. I specialized a lot in, in DevOps. So I hire platform engineers. I've recently also hired product managers, so everything that is in the in the tech tech field, the tech mm -hmm. domain. Mm. My day to day consists of well, it's it's more like working in cycles. So recruitment is a cycle. It starts with a need, a requirement. So you gather with the requirements, understand what we're looking for, mm. go out to the market in terms of job posts or sending messages to potential good good profiles, mm. attracting them, then putting them through the process. So my day-to-day -day will depend on that cycle. So mm. some some weeks I have lots of interviews. So mm. that would be half of my half of my day or like 70% of my day. Just running interviews, taking notes, putting putting the notes on the system. And then making the decision on, on that person. Some other parts of, of the cycle, I would have to basically do customer service, which is like making sure that the candidate is happy with the offer that, mm. that we make, answer their questions, sometimes also set up their onboarding for success. Yeah. Things like that. Mm. So there is, uh, there is this dichotomy, I would say, like between going external and going internal. So my role as a technical recruiter within the company has these two aspects to it. So mm. you have to understand internally what are the requirements, how things work, navigate that well. And then you have to understand the 
candidate side? How does the job market work? How do you attract candidates? What mm. are they looking for? So yeah, it's, it's quite a lot uh, of, of work. So my day to day is not really going to look the same. As I said, it depends on the, on Which the, phase on the you cycles. Are. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. But like, I'm just thinking about the, the spectrum of knowledge that you should have as a technical recruiter. So mm -hmm. because you are recruiting engineers, you know, so yeah. how much do you, typically need to know to be able to identify if this yeah. candidate is a good enough candidate or not that's a that's a very good question so i i think what i'm going to tell you now is not share like it's just my opinion uh, mm -hmm. you might ask different people and they would give you different uh, different answers mm -hmm. but generally the way that i see it is i should know the role and the team so well that I should be able to say, this is the right candidate for the team, or this mm. is not the right candidate for the team. Mm. So obviously that I can do that because I, I, I gained experience, understanding the company a lot more, being close to the team, talking to them, sharing sharing their, their meetings, things like this. So that's, I would say, is the, the highest value that you can bring as a technical recruiter. At the basic level, which is what I was doing before, is to to check for culture fit or for the basic criteria. Mm. So looking at the motivation. So I think one of the most important things in a in it in a recruiter interview is to check for motivation. Is this mm. person applying for the role because they really want this role and it makes sense for their career now, or are they just looking for money or? Is there something in their personal life that is pushing them to 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 apply? So mm -hmm. this is really important. <laughs> But uh, people, so, yeah. do people really uh, like usually open up to uh, like, for example, when you ask like, why are you applying for this particular profile? Yeah. Would people usually open up and say that you like like a personal reason, or would they usually say that you know this is a good well, enough profile? And this is this is where <laughs> this is where my skills come into play. I learned through my, my time at agency to ask the right questions, mm. to build a relationship in order to understand what those answers mean. So let's say, for example, mm. Priyanka, you're applying for a role at my company. I would ask you, yeah, why are you applying? Based on your answer, but not only what you say, but how you say it. Mm. I will ask follow-up questions, trying to figure out really whether what you're saying is what you really think. At some point, you as a recruiter are, are able to understand what everything means. So I'll just give you a, a concrete example. I had an interview last week where just based on that, I knew that the candidate did not actually need to look for a job. They just wanted the higher salary. Mm. So it, it went to just I'm asking the question and the answer is not really clear. When mm. the answer is not clear, it means you haven't thought about it. If you haven't thought about it, it's probably you're just you're just looking for more money, which is fine, <laughs> which is fine. Again, it doesn't mean that I'm just going to reject the candidate. Yeah. But it depends again on, on the requirements of the team. Yeah. If you're looking for someone passionate about the role and you want someone that can that can come and bring value, that that might be something really important. So and that's so one aspect. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm I was cutting you in between, but basically yeah, I got yeah, go a little more excited. So typically, like for you to be able to judge, you know, this particular aspect of a person, would you prefer a video interview or or, or a telephonic is also okay? 
Mm. Absolutely. Video is crucial. I can still do this on the phone, mm. but video gives you so much more. So, <laughs> so because, because you, it's, uh, look, at the end of the day, a recruiter is a, is a people person. And this is yeah. why I got into, into this. I, I love, uh, I love talking to people. I love creating relationships. Yeah. And you start noticing things in the way that they speak that say a lot more than what they say that is the you almost uh, the clarity yeah. yeah you almost sound like a psychologist to me you know it's well, like it is it is a psychologist <laughs> right because a lot of recruiters come from from psychology. psychology i personally don't come from psychology but i studied organizational behavior mm. and i studied decision making so i studied a lot of behavioral economics so how do people act in certain ways so there's a lot of psychology involved for sure. Mm, mm. Very interesting. So what do you see as like the biggest challenge in your work? Like anything that you can talk about from a recent experience that you had? And also like, can you tie it to the kind of like, how would you measure success as mm. technical recruiter? I actually got this question just oh, was it just this week. I had a, really? had a conversation <laughs> with, yeah, I had a conversation with the director of product and she asked me, how do you see evaluation? How would you, th how do you think we should evaluate your work as a recruiter or the work of your team? Mm -hmm. uh, and again, like what I'm saying is my personal opinion. And I'm pretty sure that some people will agree. Some people will, will disagree. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'd rather not look at numbers. I'd rather look at it from a customer mindset perspective. Mm -hmm. So I think about my job as providing a service for two sides, as I said. So there's the internal side, which represents your hiring manager. Mm. And then the external side, which represents the candidate. Mm. So my challenge, well, the way that I should work is try to satisfy the hiring manager mm -hmm. and at the same time, satisfy the candidate. By satisfying the candidate, you're satisfying the hiring manager. The, for, for me, like the, the most important metric for for evaluating my performance is whether the hiring manager is filling their role in a way that brings value to the organization tying mm. it to the bottom line of the company so yes if i if i let's say if i hire someone i help hire someone and they leave after three months i'm not really doing doing my job so i i see it in a more holistic way where i need to tie it to the bottom line so I'm providing the service. They are using that candidate, that service, in order to bring value. So that's how I see it. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, it does. But so, for example, let's say you recommended a person to join, yeah. like who who might be a good fit for the team. And let's say the team ended up recruiting this person. Mm -hmm. And somehow, like after they joined the team, like within a few weeks or a, or a few months, they realized that, okay, this is not a good fit, like either the team or the person themselves, you know, would this, would them leaving be some kind of measure for your work or would it not impact you at all? I, I personally believe it does impact because it's my responsibility to make sure that the interview process reflects what the business really needs and mm. also very importantly what the candidate needs mm. so if i'm going and this is why I, my interviews are very conversational i try to build a relationship with the person 
to finally get to understand why really they want a new job. Hmm. Not not like, okay, I really need a new job. Let me just get any job. Hmm. I want to make sure that this is the very, the best job for them at this stage of their life, right? So if I if I start hiring people and they're not happy after three months, six months, I start thinking, maybe I'm doing something wrong in the interview process. Maybe we should change something. Maybe we mm. should communicate more. Maybe it's about onboarding. Maybe it's not my job personally to do the onboarding, but mm. I can also help to make sure that the onboarding is do- is done right. Mm. So that that's how I see I see I see my position. Yeah. Of course, you cannot always be right. Of course, sometimes there are things outside of your control. Mm. But if you take this as let's say you have 10, 10 different hires. If one of them leaves after three months or six months, it might not be your fault. But if you see that maybe six of them, seven of them leave, Hmm. then then you need to start thinking. Again, it's not it's not only your fault. It's not going to be only your fault. Of course, the hiring manager is at fault. The team is at fault. Maybe the organization as well. But Hmm. I try to think about what can I do Hmm. to to avoid this in the future. And there are ways to 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 implement like things you can implement to improve improve this okay okay maybe we can talk about that as well but before before we get into that like how would you so because like right now you are working in a recruitment space and you yes. are seeing the market as is like engineering i think is one of the space one of the let's say areas which is like super in demand and you know like everybody mm-hmm. wants engineers for all kind of work how do you how are you seeing the market right now from that perspective so you asked me earlier the challenge, but I got into a, a tangent. So let me get back to the challenge. The challenge is that there there are few really good engineers and too many too many jobs to fill. So everyone wants the best engineers. So again, like basic supply and demand, they mm. are asking for a lot more than other areas of of business so Mm. the engineers today have a lot of options which means that you have to be extremely competitive not only from the organizational side but also you as a recruiter you have to make sure that they have an exceptional candidate experience Mm. so it would be easy to to find average engineers but the really, really good engineers at the end of the interview process, they always have multiple offers. Mm. They always have four or five offers. Mm. Your, go- your goal is to make sure that even though they have so many offers, they will choose yours and not another one. Mm. That is probably one of the main challenges of my, uh, of my job. Mm. Yeah. I, I also thought that the, the part where you mentioned earlier that, let's say, also realizing like where does your boundary end? And the other team's boundaries start like that could also be a challenge because I mean, at the end of the day for you, like from your perspective, it's important to get the right people in the company, Mm -hmm. but also for them to stick, you know, because if they don't stick, then you again have to begin with the whole cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's like filling an empty or or like a bucket with a hole. So you you, you can pour (laughs) water into it, but if it leaks, then there is no point. This is actually something that I've realized recently. Is that if if I, because at the end of the day, I'm a business person. Mm. Yes, I'm a recruiter, but my goal is to help the business achieve their objectives. Mm. So if if my role, or 
if it's needed that I go outside of my scope and try to improve things, for example, onboarding, for example, culture within the company, for example, employer branding. So I should do it. So that's, mm. that's where I like, again, that's my personal opinion. You have, you have to do a more if, mm. if that is needed within the organization. And it's also your job to try to maybe push, push people to do it. So you, maybe you're not doing it yourself, but you're mm. encouraging other areas of the business, other teams to take uh, ownership of that part mm. uh, and make sure that it's qualitative as well. Yeah, yeah. And so how would the career ladder look like for somebody who wants to get into recruitment space? Like, what can you expect when once you go up the ladder? Okay, so I haven't gone up the ladder yet. I'm, I'm still I'm still in mid level, I would say, or senior level. But basically, the next steps could be either moving into a more HR business partner role, taking mm -hmm. a more a wider perspective into people management, mm -hmm. or going going more deeper into TA talent acquisition recruitment, and mm -hmm. being a manager, the team lead, then taking on director responsibilities where you are setting up the strategy mm. for 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 recruitment for a whole company mm. so yeah i mean recruitment is a is a strategic department mm. and it's it's getting more and more important because the market demands it especially for tech yeah so it would start as a junior so junior then mid-level recruiter and then as i said either you go HR route route where you go a bit wider mm. or you go deeply into talent acquisition, become a team lead manager and then the yeah. director. Do you also typically see a lot of lateral movement like within, for example, let's say right now you're working for a company which has, I don't know, 5,000 employees and then you want to move to a company which has, let's say, 20,000 employees. Yeah. You know, from that perspective as well, you could see an increase in the responsibilities or the requirement of the job in general. Like, is that also something that typically happens in this space? So I wouldn't say just because the size is bigger, your responsibilities are going to be bigger. It, I would even say the opposite. So really? uh, this, this, the smaller the company, the more, the more ownership you need to have. So, so when, when an organization is 20,000 people, your role is very limited. So it's very clear what is expected from a recruiter. So your role becomes kind of limited. If you mm. are in a smaller company or startup or scale up, yeah. your role is not limited, which means that you can take on some more responsibilities that will be very important for your career mm. that you would not be able to take if you worked in a huge company. Yeah. So yeah, it, it it's not a linear thing where you say, yes, this is the size and more responsibilities or less responsibilities. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar concept of a mature organization and, and a place where you can kind of learn a lot because things are not yes. in place, right? So, exactly. okay, fair enough. And so let's talk about the rec technical recruiter, let's say the profession in general. If somebody mm -hmm. wants to get into this area, like what's the traditional route? How do you, how do you become a technical recruiter? I will tell you what my route was. I would encourage anyone to to take that route. So I had I had an internship in talent acquisition in a big company. Mm -hmm. That's where I kind of just got into touch with recruitment. What was it about? So that was my kind of first touch. 
Then when I when I finished my my bachelor's, I was looking for a role in recruitment, but it was very very hard to find as a graduate. So mm. I what I did is I tried to focus on agencies because agencies will give you the opportunity to learn and to try and bring value later on. So they would be more inclined to invest in you as a junior, as a graduate. Hmm. So an agency in an agency you will learn two main things. You will learn how to sell, which is a cross-functional skill that you will need in any organization in any role, hmm. even if you are an engineer. And recruitment. So you learn what like what so you have you 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 touch with a lots of different clients and you know like how do they think, when do they need people? How is the interview process? Things like this. So you learn mm. from a lot of different clients. So if you do this right, you will gain a wealth of knowledge that you can present to an internal company, a product company, a service company, and then move from the agency world to the to the to the company to the internal. We call it internal recruitment world. Mm -hmm. I think this is the best the best kind of trajectory. But then you know you can also find a, a job, an entry-level job uh, inside an organization. The reason why I, I think it's not the best route, or if you do it and you will need to change frequently, is that you will have only one perspective uh, mm -hmm. of how recruitment is done. Mm -hmm. So if you come in, they tell you how they do things, and then you will need to follow how they do things. So you will not have an idea how it should be done in other places. Mm -hmm. So you will need, if you want to have a long and successful career, you will need to go to different places, experience yeah. different ways of thinking about recruitment, experience different maturity levels of companies. And then you will have a lot more experience and you will be able to bring a lot more value. Yeah, absolutely. I think it makes a lot of sense as well, like because you are kind of exposing yourself to multiple spaces right in the beginning. Uh, and then, of course, you'll learn much more in that space. It's almost similar to consulting, right? When you get into consulting, you work on multiple projects. Absolutely. And then you have like yeah. a good idea of what's happening in that in that area. Exactly. So on the, on the technical part, so, you know, what I've talked about is the recruiter part. For the technical part, it, it's all learning by yourself. Like you need to mm. be very, very curious and passionate about uh, technology yeah. and, and passionate about recruitment generally. And you should be very curious. So yeah. I read what articles the... every every week and, and try to figure out what is happening in, in the space. Yeah, yeah. I think that's also like relevant for a lot of other jobs as well, right? Because yeah, right yeah, now yeah. things are changing so quickly. It's like you have to keep yourself up to date with what's happening Absolutely, around yeah. Do you remember any of your latest mistakes that you made and how did you come out of it? Okay. I'm thinking of something that I will not where I will not share too much <laughs> that is conf confidential stuff. Yeah, so so one one mistake that I made was in terms of salary. So basically in the very first stage of the process you need to you need to ask the candidate what they they would like to earn or at least have an idea. Hmm. of of whether we sh we should be able to offer what they want or not right yeah. so because I, I didn't have that much experience with the turkish market i got that salary but it was i thought it was before tax 
but he, uh, he okay. told me he told me the salary in after tax and yeah. that that was within our range because we pay in <laughs> before tax it went through the interview process then at the end i went through the approval process to to get the offer and then i made the offer and i was like this is before tax so like that is much <laughs> less than what i asked for yeah so yeah that was quite quite embarrassing yeah. i ended up i end, i ended up solving the problem because I, you know, I, I built a relationship with the candidate. So I just explained what, like what the mistake I made. And then, yeah. um, and then that solved it. What I get is that owning your, owning your mistakes, like it's okay. It's an honest mistake yeah, that you, you ha- made. And you have to, yeah. Yeah, just owning it and, and trying to correct it. I think that's what makes a lot of sense. So Yusuf, I have, I actually also put a form on LinkedIn where I wanted people to come around and ask a few questions that they would want me to ask from you, you know, as a recruiter. Okay. And one of the questions is around salary, actually. So somebody is asking that, what if I, like, what if the first quote that they made in terms of salary is not what they actually want. Like maybe they researched about the salary band in general after they had the first round. And now they realize that, okay, they, they actually quoted less. So typically in this situation, like should they come back and, and say that, okay, no, I'm expecting something more, something different, and this is the reason? Or how would you, how would you see that? Okay, so f- first of all, let's make something clear. If you come into, if you start looking for a job, you definitely need to to make to to do some research to understand what you should be earning that hmm. is a must before you start the interview process before hmm. you even have an interview scheduled you need to know ask your friends uh, try to ask people on linkedin uh, you need to find out there there are some uh, some resources to find out right so that's the first step now if you did make the mistake if you did make the mistake you need to call the the recruiter and I say call, the first thing is call, to have a conversation. Why this is important? It's because if you send an email, you don't know how the recruiter re- will react. Hmm. So you will see maybe their, their answer where they will check with the team, etc., and then they will make an answer. But if you call, if you make the call, you will get the spontaneous reaction. reaction. Hmm. And based on that reaction, you will, you will know whether what you're asking for is reasonable or it's not. Hmm. If it's not reasonable, maybe what you realized from other companies is not the norm. It's an exception. Hmm. So what I would do in, if I were in, in that situation is, as I said, call the, call the recruiter and say, look, I've, I've just had two other interviews and what they're offering is a lot more than what you're offering. So I'm thinking of changing, of changing that, that, that value that I gave you in the beginning. What do you think? Hmm. That's it. Like, what, what do you think? Ask them what they think and then check for their reaction. Yeah. And based on that reaction, you will kind of get a feel of whether that's something possible or not. Hmm. And I mean, typically, would you suggest that if, let's say, the recruiter says that, okay, this is not possible in the organization or, you know, like they start negotiating with, with the package because I think money becomes an important part of the job. Yeah. Typically, would you suggest them to join irrespective or would you say that, you know, you should not continue because... At the end of the day, you will not be happy about what you're earning. It depends. It depends. If it's cov- like I would, if if it's in the beginning of your career, you need to put the salary as a as a last the last thing you look at because you you need to be you need to be growing, you need to be learning. I'm not saying go and work for free. 
Mm. But you need to look at you need to look at the organization and what you are going to learn from it a lot more than the salary. Mm. I would say always negotiate, regardless of what you do. Always negotiate. Mm -hmm. It's you. You would be surprised at how much you can you can get more just by saying, "Okay, thank you. I'm very excited. That would be great. Let me think about it." And then you go back. You say, "I think." I'm worth a little bit more because this and this and this. Mm. It could be various reasons, mm. and then see what happens. Mm. There is always there is always some room for so for improvements for negotiation. So and what what I would say is try to like listen to podcasts about negotiating salary, read some articles, learn. This is something that you need to learn for your mm. career. So yeah. you need to invest some time in into understanding how to do it and practicing, etc. And have you typically seen some kind of like let's say norms with, for example, let's say between man and women? Like, yeah. have you seen this kind of thing that you know typically man tends tends to negotiate a little more than females? Yeah. I would say I would say like definitely women don't negotiate, and they are. That's I think that's why they are not paid the equally to men in certain cases. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like. I'm not an expert in this, but I've I've seen this in my own experience. Like they generally hmm. paid less. Yeah. So typically, I mean, all the females who are listening to it, please start negotiating. I think it yes. might help. It definitely yes. will. Okay. And there's another interesting question that I have, and it's around somebody's asking that: Is it good to ask from a technical recruiter how their career path in the company might look like? Absolutely, yeah. You sh you definitely should ask that. Something that I've written actually in a LinkedIn post. I'm gonna explain what uh, what it means. So, if you if you come into an interview in a company that you 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 feel is interesting, mm. pre prepare some smart questions. Prepare mm. some questions that show that what your priorities are. So, me as a as a recruiter, I I I always give the chance for candidates to ask their questions mm. and it tells me a lot about what the candidate really wants mm. if their first question is what is the hiring process they are here for a transaction they're looking for a job if their first question is please tell me a little bit more about like the team structure tell me about the role like what is expected of me things like this then you understand the, the person is trying to find a fit they're mm. not just trying to find a job Mm -hmm. So when you're asking that kind of question, what is my career path? You are showing to the person that you are looking for a long-term commitment. Mm -hmm. This is a signal. And you any any good signal that you can give is extremely important. Mm -hmm. So yes, de definitely ask that. Yeah. Okay. Some very good tips and tricks, I think, for people who are listening to it, you know, also from a recruiter perspective, I mean, it, it actually makes a lot of sense to know what you are looking for in a candidate when they are really wanting to change their job and wanting to get into a company. What is that one thing that stands a candidate out? It's hard, hard to say, but generally it's it's passion. So this mm. is the main thing that I look for in my like in my interview. Obviously, there are multiple steps in the interview process, but what mm. I personally look for is this passion. So I try mm. to ask for different things. Once I see the spark in their eye, like if I ask you about something that you're passionate about, you completely change. 
mm-hmm. looking for that change and fi- finding out where is the passion. Mm. So, because the passion is what's going to drive you to to be persistent, to keep going into what you're supposed to be in, to to do in your job. Yeah, so this is what what I personally look for. Yeah. And then obviously you have the willingness to learn, but that's I would say is tied to passion because if you don't love something, you're not willing to learn. Yeah. So I that's, mean, that's how much effort? Exactly. Yeah. How much effort can you put into something that you don't like? You know, at at the end of the day. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. I think this was a very interesting conversation, Yusuf. I, I I got to learn a lot of things. Like typically, I have been on the other side of the table. So I've always, you know, interacted with recruiters as recruiters and not tried to understand how they think and, you know, what they look at. I think this was very, very interesting from my perspective. Thank you so much for your time. It was lovely speaking to you. Yeah, thank you very much as well. I think people should talk to recruiters a lot more because that's how you like it's a game at the end of the day like if you look at it from a from a you know market perspective yeah your skills do not re- reflect which company you're going to work at like you need to know how to interview you need to know how to convince people of your skills and yeah. this and the first step to that is the recruiter so it's very important <laughs> to speak with the recruiter and understand <laughs> Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in this particular episode. If you wish to follow me on LinkedIn, I go by the name Priyanka Ota. Feel free to connect with me to write down any questions that you might have and I would be more than happy to answer your questions or probably connect you to any of the guests that we've spoken to up until now. We also have a people's stories page on LinkedIn which you can follow to remain up to date with the content that's going to come up next. Um, to connect to the people we've interviewed and to generally participate in the upcoming surveys or LinkedIn lives that we'll be doing. I wish you all a very, very nice day ahead and happy learning.